This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly sponsored by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. As a city supporter, we know you value delivery, and McDelivery is up there with the very best. You'll always be winning with McDelivery because just like Kevin De Bruyne, McDelivery puts your order right on a plate. So the only thing left to say is, are you in? Order now on the McDonald's app, and you can also get rewards points delivered as well. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for you tomorrow. Only via the app at participating restaurants, 18 plus, rewards registration required, points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. It was another night of drama as City dropped points against Tottenham Hotspur once again, and we're here to give our hottest takes and discuss all of the talking points from another frustrating evening at the Etihad. It's Monday, December 4th. I'm Adam Booker. I'm Andrew Detmer. And I'm Joe Bosfield. And this is the City Report Podcast. Welcome back to the City Report Podcast, your home for daily Manchester City coverage. Welcome in, Joe and Andrew. We are coming in just an hour after full-time at the Etihad in City's 3-3 draw against Tottenham Hotspur. So we're going to come in with a, a bit of you know raw emotion here. I think we're typically very level-headed on this podcast, but today we're actually going to go out of our way to go the opposite direction. We're going to get a bit reactionary. But uh, Joe and Andrew, I'll start, we'll start with Joe. Um, I want to get straight into it because there's plenty to go at. And, and yes, listeners, we will talk about that refereeing decision at some point. Um, brief thoughts on the game overall, Joe? It's just fr- frustrating is the word for it. And also, and also confusing as well. Like I think I have a lot of Maybe this, I'm not going to get into the, the, the hot takes too soon, but I have a lot of questions at this stage of the season about the clubs, about, about the players' sort of mentality when it comes to these big games, because we've seen now three games against Chelsea, Liverpool, and Spurs in a row consecutively, where, at least in the league, where we've had the lead and late in the game, we've thrown that lead away. Um, obviously, the, you know, the Chelsea, the Chelsea game is a penalty decision, which can happen sort of any time during the game, but Liverpool and then, um, and then, uh, last night against Spurs, it, it happens again, and it's just it's just I I don't know I don't know what's happening because on the one hand you can midweek against against Leipzig you can you can go two 0 down at half time and come back and win three two great show of mental resilience and, and all that and all that stuff 
and then you know at that weekend you you have your third game in a row where you've thrown away a lead late in the game and that can only come down to mentality because we we, we saw all through the second half how how that was going to play out the players weren't really the players weren't really fully on it i don't think anyone can really say that in the second half they they covered themselves in much glory at all so in a way it was a result that was a long time coming from the second half and that is a concern given that it's yet another game against a top six side where we've we've dropped points yeah and and not only is it you know third game in a row where city have dropped points in the league third game in a row against the top six team dropping points in the league but it's a third game in a row in which city have dropped points from a winning position andrew um i just want to read out a couple of tweets we've got from from listeners and they're giving their immediate reactions after the game and kind of see where you fall in in line here because we've got a variety of responses um Stewart says, shite at the back. No way we're winning the league defending like this. Um, Abdallah says, a third of the way through, we're three points off the top without KDB and Stones not playing our best. So, you know, there's some positives maybe. Like Abdallah says there, we're still in the thick of it. And, and you know, Stewart says, well, we're, we're not winning the league playing like this anyway. So where do you fall in that kind of spectrum? I think those two tweets actually show the two competing thoughts in my brain, because, you know, looking at this match city had 2.64 expected goals to Spurs 0.49 city had 18 total shots to Spurs eight, but we had the equal amount of shots on target with them. We both had four, we missed four big chances. So there is a narrative you can construct where you say, look, city were the better team throughout that match. Spurs just got incredibly lucky. I mean, to score three goals off 0.49 XG. Like that's, they got very lucky in their finishing. However, to the point about we're not winning defending like this, the issue is not how we're playing at the back necessarily. The issue is how we're playing in midfield and the front because the key to our defensive run at the end of last season was the fact that we controlled and choked the life out of other teams in the midfield and in our forward line last season. We're not doing that largely because of lack of players who can do that. And then the ones that Pep put on the pitch today, surprise, surprise, we got undone in transition by a team very good at that because we kept giving the ball to them in bad positions. So like I am on the one hand, there's a lot of things you can say that I think we can move forward and be a good team. But a lot of that has to do with, we have to change how we play and stop playing five players up front. None of whom can hold on to the ball. Yeah, and 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 we're going to get into the kind of discussion about control and Doku and Grealish and Rodri and all of that <clears> later on. Um, but first, like I said, we we want to be um, we want to be reactionary today because I think everybody is is still the the emotion is kind of raw and and there's a bit of a sting left in all of us from this game. So we're going to introduce a new segment today, um, and I want to give a shout out to Score North Purple Daily, the greatest NFL football podcast on earth for for this segment because I've stolen it right from them. Um, we're going to call this spicy conclusions. Now, Joe and Andrew, we, we talked about this coming in, but we are going to deliver some way over the top, way embellished, very reactionary, big picture decisions here about city. And I want to just open up some engaging discussions with them. I'm going to start my spicy Manchester city conclusion after the three, three draw against Tottenham is this by March 1st, City will not be in a title race. They will be in a race for top four. Joe? I mean, it's 
it, it's technically possible, but I think I think that would require one of Arsenal or Liverpool to just run away with it. And I think, given how last season went, I think they, either of those, whoever, whichever of those teams it is, would have to be significantly ahead for it to not still be for City to not still be in with a shout, or we've fallen significantly behind. Which, if we keep playing like we have, like we have the last three games. Which, like you say, you've got you've got the two competing narratives of well, we're creating enough chances to win all these games, but then who cares if you aren't scoring the chances to win these games? And we're also defending in a way where we conceded we've conceded nine goals in the last three, which is not sustainable. Um, so yeah, yeah. And I'm, I'm sorry, I, I just want to cut in real quick because it's it's great you brought that up because I do have a couple of stats in front of me here. So last last season, City kept clean sheets in thirty four percent of their Premier League games. So far this season, after fourteen games, City have kept clean sheets in twenty seven percent. So it's dropped slightly, but I think the more concerning pattern and and the more concerning stat is last season, City conceded thirty three goals in the Premier League. Of course, that's in thirty eight games. This season, they're on pace to concede 10 more at 43. So, I mean, Andrew, these are worrying trends defensively, no? Yeah, they absolutely are. And, you know, like I said, it goes back to, for me, it's not about the back four. And against Leipzig, I had the same opinion that it really wasn't the defense. It was how we were playing kind of in front of them. And then again today... To me, none of those goals come down to how the defenders are set up. They come down to solely our forwards and midfielders not doing what last season the players we were playing would have done. So I don't think that City will... I think City will finish comfortably top four this season, regardless of how everything else goes out from here, just because I think there's a big gap between City, Liverpool, and Arsenal and the other teams. I actually think that... um, Short of when we play like we do today, there's a gap between Liverpool and Arsenal and City as well. But I do think there is a potential that City are not in the title race by March 1st. Joe, what's your spicy conclusion after that game? So, if we don't sign anyone in January, we are not winning a trophy this season. Woo! Wow. Wow. I, I have that bad is, news that for you, Joe. That is a hot already, take. Thank you very much, much Joe. <laughs> We've already won a trophy. Oh uh, well, yeah, okay. I think he means a real one. Yeah, you know, one that uh, do we count, do we count the Club World Cup as well? I think we might win that. But you know, we're not okay. We're not winning. We're not winning one of the the three domestic ones, or we're not winning the Champions League either. That's well, that's we can't I mean. win the Carabao Cup because you know, correct. So we're already on track <laughs> to not win one of them. Yeah. It's it's interesting you say that, and that's a fantastic first ever spicy conclusion from you. But it, it's interesting you say that because. I actually think part of my feeling with my spicy conclusion that City won't be in a title race by March is I think they're going to win the Champions League again. And I think the hunger, we always talk about the hunger with Pep City to win another Premier League. I think it's slipped that one or 2%. And that's just enough against these good teams we've seen with Spurs and Chelsea and Liverpool now three games in a row. That one or 2% slip is enough to start dropping points rampantly. And this this is City dropping points rampantly, given how much, mm. how, I guess, how little they drop points. Um, Andrew, not winning a, a title this year of any kind? I, I, can't, I can't go that far. I think we have too much quality that we can eke out a win across, you know, those th- the three competitions left that we're counting here. Plus, I think, you know, with the Club World Cup, like I, 
for me, like, I don't think winning the Club World Cup and the um, Super Cup are enough in and of themselves. But I think if we were to win those two and an FA Cup or Champions League, I, like that's a successful season for me, particularly with size of squad, you know, amount of matches we have played. Um, no one's ever done four Premier Leagues back to back. So if that doesn't happen, back, I don't think back. anyone should be surprised. Yeah, I, so my, my my thoughts on it were kind of just basically the way that the squad is at the moment. I know we've technically added more numbers to the squad than we did last season because obviously we we lost Mares, Gundogan, and Laporte, but we've signed Guardiol, Doku. I know. We, well, if you, if you count Palmer being sold as well, and we've just leveled up really, haven't we? But like we've signed um, Doku, Guardiol, Kovacic, and Nunez. But Kovacic and Nunez are kind of a, a, certainly Nunez are at a point where they're not really. It, this is the year, isn't it, where they settle in? So it's not really going to be like they're going to do anything big this season. I think we're already seeing that with the with some of the res- performances and results we played. Like Rodri's, we've got another season of Rodri playing every single game unless we sign a genuine defensive midfielder that can support him in January. And Alvarez as well needs to just be given a few games out because he's traveling to South America. Every- Thankfully, we don't have another international break until March, but he's traveling to South America and playing 80, 90 minutes in all of them. And he's somehow still playing 80, 90 minutes in all the City games as well on top of that. So my my my, my thought is that just when we get to the business end of the season where winning these trophies is going to come to it, half of our squad is going to be absolutely, especially with the Club World Cup as well, like they're going to just be, they're just going to be done. Especially with, and, and when all the European players looking towards the Euros as well. Yeah, uh, it's, it's going to be an interesting end to the season if we don't sign someone in, in January to help. Andrew, your spicy conclusion? On his present form of setting up the team, we would be better off with Charlie Day and the Pepe Silvia scene from It's Always Sunny than Pep Guardiola continually picking lineups that are just going to lead to us constantly having these exact same result. We've had these past three matches. Can you elaborate for the listeners on the, on the Charlie Day and Always Sunny in Philadelphia? Considering that many, many, if not more than half of our listeners are in the UK. Correct, but I think most people will recognize the meme, which is Charlie Day in front of red yarn all over a board hunting for Pepe Silvia because he's lost his mind, which is exactly what Pep Gordiel has done by putting out a lineup where almost no one in that front line knows how to defend, knows how to slow down a game, knows how to hold on to the ball. Like I'm looking at this lineup today, and I'm like, yeah, no wonder we created what we did, but lost when we didn't put the chances away. Like Pep has basically this season gone. We're either going to score 10 goals and win, or we're not going to finish our chances and we're going to draw or lose. And to me, like that just is like, we have to not play Doku, Alvarez, Foden, Holland, all in the same, like we can't do that. That It cannot be done. Can I, can I counter that with, Please. I think I think I know that Andrew, you think that it's nothing. It's not to do with necessarily the defenders. It's more the setup and everything. But a lot of our defenders are, are, are shitting out of the one v ones that we're having. Like what was so good about us last season is that even despite the control we had and despite how the midfield was set up and everything, you could put you you could put good money on eighty to ninety percent of the time those defenders were winning their one on ones. And the, and and particularly in the last few games, we've just seen that they're not. Like Leipzig midweek, they like the both their goals the, the come difference, from one v ones not being one. You're right, but 
last season we were asking them to win one, maybe two 1v1s a match. Right now they are getting pulled out of position to try to win multiple 1v1s because the front, like the midfield as currently constructed isn't worth, like Alvarez is not a midfielder. We need to stop with this idea that he can somehow play that role for me. Like he, it's a four four two when he's on the pitch. Yeah, it, it's. I don't even think, like genuinely the lineup. Foot mob today has it as a three two four one because you know the that's what the stone the, system. Yeah. In yeah. In reality, I look at this team as a four one five. Like Rodri's basically being left alone in midfield, and then in transition, we're getting done all like. Yeah. I, I just Joe, can't, I can't handle it anymore. Joe, is there an argument to be made, and and maybe we're all forgetting this fifteen minutes into this episode? It is just Tottenham, and it's the it's the one game a year on the calendar. You just put a red slash through it, and you fucking move on. Yeah, yeah. I, I, there is there is always that. However, even with even with all this said about the defensive structure of the team and everything, we should have scored about six goals today. Like if we and the same we, thing happened against Chelsea three weeks ago. The same thing happened against Liverpool last week. Yeah, as well. it, there, there has to come a point where I know that the I know it's obviously I personally would love to see Pepe, Silvia, Charlie Day take control of Manchester City for a day, <laughs> see how it turns out. However, I think it's fair to say that if the players on the pitch actually do. Actually, you know, if Haaland scores one of the many sitters that he's missed in the last few games, we haven't we we haven't lost any of those games. Like we're we're in a position where where Haaland is missing sitters, and it's and that's what can like if that happens, then Pep's done his job. Pep's worked the the, the system to a point where we have had sitters put on plates for players who would normally score them, and they haven't. And that's like and and that's you know that's football, but it's also like that's not Pep's fault. I don't think. Oh, to me though, the well, issue is that I, I get that of if Holland puts away one of the, I mean, we missed four big chances, so you put one of those away. But we're talking about a team for the last two seasons that if we went up two one, that was game over. Yeah, that's totally not agree. the case yeah. anymore, and it's not the case anymore. And I'm ready for the uh, onslaught of people who are going to come at me for this because Booker has dealt with it for weeks now. Jeremy Doku should not see the fucking pitch until he learns how to actually hold his position, track back, and keep a defender away from the goal. Like, he can't do it. Yeah. It's, it's if, interesting you say that because because our very own Amos Murphy sits right down in the corner of the Etihad Stadium with Jeremy Doku right in front of him that first 45 minutes. And he basically texted us at halftime and said, you know, it's it's a love-hate relationship with Doku because – when he's electric, he's electric. He can go past a man. We saw him cut inside and, and ring that shot off the crossbar. That would have been a sensational goal. But more often than not, you know, he beats a man and the ball doesn't go where he wants it to go. And, and I got into a little bit of an argument with somebody online um, about, you know, if you are taking risks and they aren't paying off, that means that the ball is being turned over. And clearly yeah. at the moment, City can't deal with counterattacking teams when the ball is turned over. And so, you know, if it's if Joe is correct here in that our 1v1 defending has gone sour, maybe it has, maybe it hasn't, then you what you need to do and you being Pep is plug up things in the middle so that the ball doesn't get to them in 1v1 situations. Maybe a Jack Grealish is better, maybe packing the midfield, maybe putting Kovacic next, next to Rodri and 
pulling Alvarez. You know, Alvarez, we all thought he was somebody that was undroppable. But um, look, I don't want to put the blame at any one player's door because I don't think there is any one player that can take the blame. And I know know you're not doing that. You're right. But to me, the issue is, so if you look at Doku's performance today, and what everyone says is, oh, he's like an elite dribbler. He's going to get past people. He attempted two dribbles, accomplished one. He got into seven ground duels. He won two of them, lost five. He got drilled past one. T- like, if he isn't going to do the one thing that he is supposedly really good at that's supposed to unlock, like, then he has no place on the pitch. And this is not me saying that he cannot be a good enough player for City or that, like, he won't have his moments throughout the season. But he is 21 years old with coming into a new league. I'm not surprised that he's going to have matches like this. Like the dude is essentially like the pepper you add to a Thai dish. Yeah. Used correctly, it really like improves the dish. Used incorrectly, you've ruined the dish and no one wants to eat it. And like that's what he does when he isn't able to actually beat his man and score a wonder goal. And it's the same thing with Foden, the same thing with Alvarez. Like right now we just have too many people that are that wild card, like it factor rather than like consistently at a six to seven level every match. I think the thing with, with, with Doku is that because, and this is probably getting a bit more into like the overall like fan feeling towards him rather than necessarily today's game. But I think it's, I think everyone remembers Doku versus Bournemouth. And people don't remember Doku versus Chelsea. People aren't going to remember Doku versus Spurs this first half. Like those are the when 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 there's people like like yourself, Adam, who got into it a few weeks ago. Um, like like obviously like anybody like Amos has on, on on Twitter himself. Like when you're someone who's saying that that Doku isn't the finished article yet, that he's dare I say a raw talent. Um, <laughs> it's like I think it's it's a case of like you know that's. That's not because he's bad. That's just because he he isn't complete in a Pep Guardiola system yet. Like he's not the kind of player who you can throw into a game like Spurs, who obviously every single person here knows is going. They are going to just play on the transitions. They're going to counter attackers. That is how Spurs do us every single game that we play against them. And you've and you've started someone who I think we can. I think even people who love Doku have to agree does not track back. Like he, he did it in his first. And and again, I think people who watch Doku remember or who love him sorry and think that he should start every game and that Grealish is done for like I think they remember his first or second appearance it was where he was really good at tracking back he did a lot of it and he got praised on match of the day specifically for doing so because that's like you know West Ham away I think it was he was sensational in that game exactly And, and and it kind of ignores the fact that every big game that he's started since then his defensive work rate has been little to non-existent and I think it's because he's kind of just I don't want to say that he's. I don't. It's it's probably partially down to instruction, but I don't think Pep's telling anyone not to track back. Like I don't think he's saying to anyone like I oh, don't worry about going in the other. Don't don't worry about it going the other way, mate. Like he's the, he's one of the fastest players on the pitch, and he's not doing anything to stop counter attacks. Like it's so it's so frustrating to watch. Like when it when it was when it was the actual first Spurs goal, and it was Son one on one with him. I was thinking if there's anyone on the pitch who I back to keep up with Son that isn't Kyle Walker, it's Jeremy Doku. And he just gets left. Yeah, with, but, just but, gets but, speed, by but speed doesn't speed doesn't mean one on one defending ability. Uh, it, you you say that there's that. anyone you back to keep up with him, which by the way I'd say it's Kyle Walker. But um, if there's anybody, if he's probably the last player I'd want defending Hungmin Son. Yeah, absolutely. On a I would rather Erling Holland have tracked back and be trying to defend Son one on one 
than Jeremy Doku because I have not seen him once show the ability to like defend at this level. And he's a winger. He's not supposed to, but the issue is that, and it's what I said of like, we built last season's run on playing Jack Grealish, Riyad Mahrez and Bernardo Silva as our wingers on either side of Holland. We don't have anyone who has played wing for city in recent memory that does the things those guys do other than Jack Grealish because Bernardo Silva has had to play in midfield. The whole Like, we're giving the ball up too much because, again, like, that's what's going to happen if you are trying to explosively dribble past and get by players. Like, you're going to turn the ball over more. You turn the ball over, people are out of position, and what happens is what happens. Uh, I don't, I don't want to pick on Doku that much, and I think actually some blame needs to, f- to fall at the feet of Pep Guardiola because – Oh, yeah. Yeah. Because clearly, we know, we, I think the three of us know Pep fairly well, at least his, his patterns as a manager after seven, eight seasons now. If Doku's not instructed to be doing these things and he is still doing them, he's not starting these games. And lo and yeah. behold, he's starting these games. So clearly, this is instruction from Pep. And, um, I think Doku is probably a symptom of, um, a, a mistake Pep has made here in the way that this team has shifted from that controlled team to more of a ball carrying team. And it, and it just hasn't worked out yet to this point. Maybe it will. We do have to remember it's, you know, the first week of December, it was late January, early February last year when we were having this same discussion on this very podcast, city aren't going to win any trophies playing like this. It's stale. Why have they gone away from creating big chances and the possession and blah, 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 blah. Lo and behold, they win a treble. So we do have to, you know, we do have to remember the set of players and the manager that we're working with. Can here. I? Uh, yeah, go ahead, Joe. Sorry, unlike the you know knowing the players and, and set of players and the manager and stuff like that, does it concern anyone here that we've? I know some people love to see this, but I was looking at the sort of the the scenes on full time after today, and obviously the way that it was against Liverpool last week as well. Like, does anyone does it, does it bother anyone that like it's getting to full time and then suddenly we're we're having like big touchline scraps with like the opposition players and coaching staff and stuff like that after we've after we've dropped dropped points. Does that well, bother, does that bother anyone or let let me let me read this out from one of our our newer contributors Alex Michelle. Uh he said after the match City have gone from a squad with outspoken leaders like Company and Fernandinho, passion merchants like Cancelo and Zinchenko and a player who literally operated as an on-field coach in Gundogan to an 11 without any of those. So it, are you are you suggesting there is a mentality and leadership issue here i just because I, I, I maybe would agree with that if that's what you're saying yeah it just feels like we're getting to the end of games and i think last season we dropped a lot of points uh or we dropped well we're not a lot of points obviously we dropped some points in uh, and obviously early in the season when we had the you know peps like i don't recognize my team anymore kind of thing it <laughs> We, we weren't showing, like, we were, we were obviously not playing well, but we weren't getting to the end of games, dropping points, and then suddenly just, like, throwing toys out the pram and just, like, starting scraps with opposition players and managers when the full-time whistle's gone. And obviously, like, I, I don't, it's, it's difficult for us to know because we don't know who's starting it on the touchlines and stuff like that. But it's felt like in the past, teams have probably tried, and we've just gone, ah, nah, we're not getting into this. Cause well, I, I think from, from watching on TV, I think what happened was, because... Erling Holland went storming off the pitch and it looked like 
a Spurs player tried to stop him and just, you know, well, well, also got the into it with Holland and then it all kicked off. So mm-hmm. I, Holland was storming off the pitch, obviously angry about the referee decision, which we're going to talk about here in a second. Um, and I, it looked like a Spurs player, it might have been Lo Celso, tried to stop and give him the handshake and stuff. And Holland just kind of put, bowled right through him and just kept, you know, cursing under his breath and walking away towards towards the tunnel. And then that's when it kind of kicked off. So, mm. um, look, we've we've we, I think we've we've beaten a dead horse here a bit with uh, with piling on on City, but we're gonna go for a quick break. Stay right where you are for part two. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The Etihad Stadium really is wonderful at this time of the season, and the same goes for McDelivery. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Welcome back to the City Report podcast. If you are new here, please hit follow, hit subscribe, leave a rating, and leave a review. Every single time something goes wrong for City, we always get an uptick in listeners. So I don't know if um, people are here for therapy or if it's rival fans. You know what's interesting? I actually um, I met a guy at a pub here in Portland who's a Spurs fan. Uh, he was he was in the same football trivia league as me, and. I was talking to him and he said, when things go poorly for teams I dislike, I go and listen to all their fan podcasts all throughout the next week. And it turned out that he was listening to one of our podcasts um, and he found that we're all level-headed. This episode hasn't been as (laughs) level-headed as usual. He's going to enjoy this one. Yeah. Um, So, Joe, I want to come to you. We'll talk about the referee decision. And and keep in mind, this is a daily podcast. We will be back tomorrow. We're going to talk about Rodri and Grealish being suspended for the Aston Villa game. Obviously, we're going to start looking ahead to the Villa game here soon as well because the, the fixtures are coming thick and fast. Um, Joe, on a scale of one to City need to put out a club statement tomorrow asking for an apology and a replay, um, where do we fall on the advantage that wasn't an advantage? It's, I mean, it's, so I think you, I think we, we spoke just before we started recording and said that, and you mentioned that um, David Mooney, I think is, has put out a poll sort of comparing which, which is worse, this one or, or the Rashford slash Fernandez offside goal at Old Trafford. And, and obviously because of the recency bias, like uh, the, 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 I think today's decision or this game's decision sort of blew it all away. But I think the on-field decision. This is this is comfortably the worst. Like this is, I think it's worse because it's not. I I, I sort of said that afterwards. Like I think if it comes to a point where he's he's blown late for the foul, he doesn't give the advantage. He just blows late for the foul because he sees a city player boot it away, and he just thinks, "All right, well, this is I'll, I'll blow for that foul." It's it's still annoying, but I can understand how the referees got to 
got to that position. However, as it stands, the sort of the, the sequence of events is Haaland is fouled, Hooper gives adva- plays advantage, pass to City player, City player passes to other City player, and as that pass has been released and is on its way to the City player, he decides actually I think there's an advantage here. I'm just, I, I think there's no advantage here. I'm going to pull back for the foul. And it, I just I just don't understand how a referee gets to... Like, I put on Twitter after that, referees deserve all the abuse they get. And I genuinely, like, I, I, I absolutely... <laughs> I, I stand by it. Like, it's... it's the, honestly, we here they, I know, at the City Report podcast do not condone Joe Butterfield's <laughs> official just, statement. I just think it's... I just think it's a case of... Like, I understand that referees have a difficult decision and obviously... and And... I understand. I, I actually would f- almost prefer football was like this, where it's just an on-field decision, and that's like sometimes the shit, and that's just how you deal with it. But this is so spectacularly bad that I can't. I can't think of any other time that I've seen something, as in like an, an on-field decision, not something that VAR have got wrong or something like that. Just an on-field decision that's been made. I can't think of anything that's been this bad that that we've had to deal with anyway for a long time. Like it's 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 so strange. So the only suggestion I've seen as a potential explanation is that Simon Hooper got a word in his ear from probably the linesman that Grealish is offside, right? And he says, okay, I'll pull it back for an advantage. We know, we know now, and we saw immediately Grealish was miles onside. Um, plus, it's 2023. We don't flag early for offside anymore. That doesn't happen. We let things play out in case they are onside. Does Jack Grealish go on to score that? We'll never know. Um, Andrew, I, I do want to hear your kind of emotional take like Joe's, but as somebody who um, I would imagine gets paid a lot of money to take circumstances <laughs> and spin them in uh, somebody else's benefit, what could potentially have gone through Simon Hooper's head to pull the play back? Was it a rush of blood to the head or what? I mean, I, I think part of it could be he's trying to do multiple things at once, which is why being a referee is an incredibly difficult job because you have to be listening for what your you know teammates on the refereeing team are saying you have to be watching what's happening and kind of be aware of where other players are in the pitch because to Joe's point, like the pass gets made. What I can understand maybe happening is that Simon Hooper is not fully aware that Grealish is going to be kind of in on goal in tons of space. And he's just kind of aware there's Grealish with two players there Holland gets fouled, the pass goes, and he goes, let's go into a player with like two guys on him. I don't know that that's an advantage and just makes an incorrect call, but not one that I think is like outrageous because of how, like, I can see how you get there. I don't know that it's the right. Could he have not seen Grealish and thought Holland was just booting it into oblivion? Yeah. I mean, I think that's entirely possible or that he like sees Grealish, but maybe he thinks Grealish is offside. And again, yeah. like he makes a wrong call there, one thousand percent. But it's one that's understandable because my big issue is that too often referees just let things go to try to like, oh, we want the game to happen. But towards end of matches like this, I actually think sometimes that's a worse thing for a referee to do because then it devolves into multiple fouls. So, like, it's a it's a hard position to be in. I I'm not going to blame Simon Hooper for this game, like. <laughs> 
Because again, to your point, Adam, we don't know that Grealish scores that goal. There's, there's so many things that could happen um, to where like it's not on him. And frankly, like city's issue in this match, like they did more than enough in terms of creation and goal scoring. It came down to, they were not able to control that game. Like city or goal, our goal up. And you've got Alvarez, like trying to like dribble past people and go like, Get to the corner, hold the ball, like take the foul, stop trying to, you know, do incredible things that are going to give the ball away. And so I just, I can't get that mad about at Simon Hooper about it. Like it was a frustrating thing to see happen, but at the end of the day, like that's not even top 10 reasons why City walk away from that match with a point. I think it's important you say that because does that, that instance not happen? We're all coming away still just as angry about this game, I think. But now, because of this late horrendous, and it was a horrendous refereeing decision, I think, um, we're all focused on that. But, Joe, City did not drop points in this game because of a referee decision in stoppage time, correct? Yeah, absolutely. I, th- I actually think Simon I actually think Simon Hooper had a pretty good game up until that point. I don't think he actually... I, I don't think... I certainly had no complaints over over the, the, the refereeing performance up until then. I just think, as Andrew says... He's, just, like, he's least, trying to make up for his tweet about them getting abused now, Andrew. Yeah. No, no. <laughs> no, that's still that's still absolutely spot on. They, they deserve it. Um, I think... <laughs> I just think... Um, yeah, Andrew's right. I think it just comes down to the fact that, we, that we, we drop points because, once again, we've got ourselves into a, winning, a leading position. And whether it's because of the players on the pitch, although I think, actually... By the time we'd conceded the goal, ironically, Pep had actually brought on players to help control the game. We'd brought on Lewis, Kovacic had just come on, Grealish was on the pitch at this point. Um, I think we'd, you know, we'd we'd brought on the personnel who you'd look at and go, all right, well, this is time to sort of, you know, slow the game down, sort of play at our own tempo. And that probably just comes down to a bit of horrendous 1v1 defending that just leads to them scoring that goal. Obviously, Ake loses out in that challenge and then that's, that's just... That's just that can happen sometimes, but I think yeah, ultimately the reason why we lost the game isn't because of any sort of you know I can't say that's why we lost the game because we have no idea whether Grealish should score it. I mean, does anyone here think Grealish through one on one is a nailed on goal? Like I certainly don't. I think um, there was so, probably I think it's fifty fifty. Yeah, I think it's. 50/50 I also think he. I also think he gets caught from behind. Also, yep. yeah, also, also very possible as well. Because I think you know they've got two fullbacks at centre back, so they're not going to be they're not slow players. Who he's, because who he's because up as against. it turns out, having massive bricks about halfway up the back of your leg <laughs> doesn't make you any faster. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So yeah, I, I I don't know. I think it's um it, it's the, the reasons why we lost that game were, were nothing to do with that horrendous refereeing decision, like you say. It's not why we well I say lost, we drew, but it feels like a loss. I think um, the reasons why we dropped points is just because once again City have shown that as Andrew put it pretty perfectly before, we can't we just can't control games at the moment. I don't know what that is. Whether that's because even when the personnel are on the pitch to do it, we don't seem to be able to we don't seem to be able to switch from chaos mode to control mode we just can't do it at all and I think that that's because you've got two very different styles that you're asking 11 players on a pitch to go from to go from one to the other in the space of minutes. I do think though that part of that Joe to your point is yes Pep brings on Grealish at, at like the 52nd 53rd minute I think and then uh Rico comes on in the 73rd 74th minute um that's far too late to downshift the game in my opinion yeah, with yeah. all of the players on, like because even when you bring those two on, you still have Alvarez and you have Alvarez in midfield, and you have Holland up to like neither of those guys are helping you control the match, and the match has kind of already gotten a bit out of control into this like topsy turvy 
transition game that we need to start from a position of control. That's what we were doing all of last season, which to me is also why, like Adam mentioned earlier, Doku coming on against tired legs against Leipzig was incredibly effective. Why is that not just like bring him on the plum at that point in time? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All right. Let's take a breath. We will be back tomorrow. We're going to continue to dissect the uh, 3-3 draw against Spurs and start to look ahead to another top four, top five clash with Aston Villa and without Rodri, without Jack Grealish. So they're coming thick and fast. So, um, you know, say a prayer, hold your loved ones close. Who knows what's coming in the near future? Joe, thank you very much. Thank you. It was was like therapy. That was good. Yeah. Do you feel better? Actually, uh, well, I I will do until I go on Twitter as soon as I finish recording this and I'll come flooding back again. Yeah. Andrew, thank you. No problem. I don't feel better. I'm still seething with anger. (laughs) All right. Thank you very much for tuning in. Let us know all of your thoughts on the match at City Report Pod on all social media. Until next time, see you later. Make sure you're geared up for Man City's end of season running with McDelivery. Great food delivered right to your door. By using McDelivery, you won't miss a moment of City's crucial running. And just like Kevin De Bruyne, they deliver your order exactly where you want it. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. Are you in? At participating restaurants only, 18 and plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavourless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport, powered by fans.